Hello and welcome into the Lions Layer. I'm your host, Kyle J. Andrews, and joining me is John Sauber. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. It is uh, warm in Tampa, which is not something uh, that usually happens for me in late December, although it has been of late, which is another conversation. But, uh, you know, it's 80 degrees, uh, sunny out and enjoying myself down here. I can imagine this. The weather is nice down there. Of course, we got to talk about why you're down there. Um, you know, out Outback Bowl, Arkansas is playing against Penn State. Um, you know, what do you see in this matchup that kind of intrigues you? Yeah, you know, uh, I think there has been a lot of consternation about this matchup, right? I think we've all seen it. The the opt outs are frustrating some people. Um, they you know, they're not going to see the team they saw all year. I think on either side, and personally, I'm good with that. You know, uh, bowl games, especially one like this, it's not a New Year's Six bowl. It's not not a college football playoff game. I tend to think it's better that we use this as a way to turn the page 2022. Right? Like this is this is a version of the team that might be more similar to the 2022 team than it is the 2021 team. And I think that's interesting and I think it's exciting and I think it's a good glimpse into the future. Uh, now, uh, James Franklin didn't seem quite as excited when he spoke today. He had a joint press conference with Sam Pittman down here, uh, Arkansas's head coach. And Franklin mentioned that this is the first time he's had any opt outs, uh, you know, in his 12 years of being a head coach, which is is true for the bull game. But, you know, Micah Parsons opted out last year of the entire season uh, and, you know, I think had they played in a bowl game last year, we probably would have seen some Penn State opt-outs just based on how things were trending then. Um, so his his introduction to the opt-outs was kind of delayed uh, compared to most coaches. But I think, honestly, the the biggest thing is going to be how these guys that that are filling the shoes of all of the opt-outs, and we, I get into the list of that in a second, uh, I think watching – I think it's going to be interesting to see how those guys take the next step or don't take the next step and – you know, adjust to their new roles, um, you know, that, that, that they're going to have to fill on Saturday because there's a lot of them, right? Like there are five defensive players, uh, Arnold Ebicady, Derek Tangelo, Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, Jaquan Brisker, all opted out of the game, all going to the NFL draft. Some because they're out, out of eligibility, some because, uh, you know, they're leaving early. And then offensively, Jahan Dotson, the team's best player, the offense's best player and the entire offense in general uh, is opting out too, and he's heading to the NFL. Um, and, and then, of course, Rasheed Walker was spotted on crotches by uh, Lions 24-7's Mark Brennan uh, when the team arrived, so don't expect him to play. Uh, James Franklin said Olu Fashanu is going to start this weekend, presumably at left tackle. But, yeah, I think watching those guys try to take the next step is and, and you know, be forced to probably a little sooner than they expected is going to be one of the main things we, we should all be watching for on Saturday. You know, that was one thing that stood out to me the most was just that, uh, you know, the heavy changes going on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, the offensive line, um, you know, we talked about it all the season. And the fact of the matter is that I, I don't think that they got a ton of push, um, especially in the running game. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what some of these young guys can do um, on both sides of the ball um, just to see how they – they get involved in the game. How are they going to be able to Im Im impose their will, especially a defensive tackle? I know you got three guys that have played a ton in uh, Fred Hanser, Kazai Izzard, and uh, Devon Ellis. And, of course, with Tangelo opting out, um, you know, obviously P.J. Mustafer got injured earlier on in the season. 
Um, so some of these younger defensive tackles have already gotten ample time at those positions. So I think, you know, now it's time to cash in on that. I mean, do you want to start next year or do you want some freshmen or some transfer to come in and take your position? I think, of course, they want the latter. They want, they want, why not the latter, the former. And, uh, you know, they, they want to be able to impose their will on uh, Arkansas's team, especially since Arkansas has a ton of offensive linemen coming back. And that's something I talked about in a key matchup. Um, but a Big Ten, I mean, has a chance to show that right now, just keep beating up on the SEC. And, uh, you, I mean, we've seen the SEC struggle during uh, the, the bowl season so far. Um, and now the Big Ten has a chance to just say, you know what? We got this in a bag, and Penn State could be part of that. Now, I, I think that, you know, these younger guys, they're going to have to step up a ton to do it. But, I mean, it's been proven that that it, it's possible. I mean, these guys, they're talented kids. I mean, it's not like these kids, that, you know, they came in as one-star, two-star guys. These are heavily talented guys, highly talented guys. So show what you, you know, show that you earn those stars and then go earn your stripes right now. You know, it it's gonna take a it's gonna take a village to beat this Arkansas team, of course. You know, you just have to fight through it right now and see what this young team is made of because ultimately too, we have to consider this. We're gonna see a lot, but we're also gonna see some things that might be different than the final, you know, issue of that twenty twenty two team. I think the other part of that is and you're intimating that is there's a pretty good recruiting class coming in for Penn State, right? That's going to make a big impact next year. But this is an opportunity for those guys to prove that they should have a role in next year's team, prove that they should be able to stave off some of those highly rated recruits that are coming in, uh, prove that they can be, you know, uh, impact players next year. And and I think that, you know, for as many opt-outs as there were defensively, right, there are five of the six were on defense. I think the biggest opportunity is going to come on offense, uh, and that's for Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith, because Parker Washington uh, was the second best receiver on the team this year. He had a couple of concentration drops this year, but they didn't seem to affect the next play. You know, they didn't seem like they were a consistent issue. Uh, he makes the most sense to be their best receiver next year of the returning guys. And we'll get to what I'm alluding to there in a second. But uh, the the issue is he doesn't have prototypical size like Jahan Dotson didn't. And when you don't have prototypical size, you kind of have to be uh, more athletic, more physical, have a bigger catch radius than your size to be a number one receiver. And I think Saturday we're going to find out if he can be a number one receiver in this offense that frankly should be trying to throw the ball, right? Like this should be trying to throw all over Arkansas because they're good at throwing the ball. It's how they've generated most of their offense all year. So I think, you know, this is going to be a big opportunity for Washington. And it's going to be a big opportunity for Keandre Lambert Smith to prove that, hey, he should be a primary receiver in the offense next year. He was the third out wide, third wide out this year. You would think he would bump up to two without Donson next year, but that might not be the case because he really had issues with concentration drops, right? Like they would lead one into the other. And that was something this offseason that that Taylor Stubblefield and even Sean Clifford mentioned that um Keandre Lambert Smith was like getting better at. He wasn't letting one play affect the next. Well, it seemed like he went away from that later in the year, right? And he started, um, you know, dropping more passes, struggling a little. Uh, he's he's not a big physical kid either. He's probably at his best in the slot, although he's a little bigger, a little taller, a little bigger catch radius, can play on the outside more. Um, but still, he's going to be fighting for that spot because last week, 
Penn State got a commitment from uh, Western Kentucky transfer Mitchell Tinsley. And Tinsley, uh, I, so I spent a lot of time watching Western Kentucky play this year because, well, I am who I am, right? And I do these kind of things for fun anyways. And that offense was a lot of fun to watch, uh, led by Zach Kitley, who's going to be Texas Tech's offensive coordinator next year, and Bailey Zappi, quarterback, who's going to the draft. Um, and Tinsley was really good. Uh, 6'1", 205, 210, somewhere in there. Uh, big physical guy, uh, profiles as a as a true outside receiver that you can move in the slot if you need to because he's strong enough to win at the point of attack, uh, the, or the point of the catch, excuse me, uh, in those intermediate situations in the middle of the field. But I spoke to Tinsley last week, and, you know, he, he sort of had the self-awareness to know, look, he's not Jahan Dotson, right? He may have worn number five at Western Kentucky, and he would like to wear it at Penn State too but he's not Jahan Dotson. And I think that goes to the broader point of none of these guys are right. Like it's unfair to expect any of them to be Jahan Dotson, which means Tinsley will probably come in and have to be the number one or two wide out uh, and be good at it. And he will have to be better than Washington was as the number two last year. And if Washington's the one, he will have to be better than he was last year. And if Lambert Smith's the three again, he'll have to be better than he was last year. Theo Johnson at tight end will have to be better than he was last year. And all of these guys need to sort of take a step forward to, to mitigate some of that loss. And, and that's what Franklin said today. That's sort of the plan of attack for Saturday. That's how they plan on uh, replacing that production. Now that Dawson's opting out, they're going to try and do it piece by piece, have everyone step up and replace him because, frankly, they just don't have anyone on the roster who can replace a guy at that level who's a likely, you know, first or second day pick. I, I would say almost a guaranteed first or second day pick, uh, a likely uh, first day pick in, in, in my eyes. And, you know, we'll see what comes of it from there. But I, I do think there's, you know, uh, there's a big time opportunity for those guys to take that next step and to prove that they should be a part of the team next year in a major way. So of course, with, you know, all the defensive tackles that I talked about, there are other opt-outs as well. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the linebackers opting out and of course, Jaquan Brisker opting out. Now, what, what can we say about the absence of some of those guys and, you know, the guys stepping in their place? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the linebackers are the really interesting spot. Uh, the really interesting spot, excuse me, uh, because I think Penn State is probably on the precipice of making what I would call the wrong decision, right? Like, they're. It seems like based on what James Franklin said today that they're going to burn the red shirts of Kobe King, Jamari Butt, um, and you know that that's fine. Like they they need numbers at linebacker on Saturday, um, but it is a pretty meaningless bowl game. You know, and I would not be burning red shirts of guys who I think could probably stay for the fifth year, right? Like Budden might be a late bloomer who you get to stay for all five years. King might be a guy who's better in college than he is in the NFL and you get to stay for all five years. So I don't think wasting a red shirt season uh, is worth, you know, it is has the same value of uh, winning the Outback Bowl, right? Like it is not a a sound decision. I don't think, and Franklin, you know, said that the decision wasn't his own. They obviously talked to the kids. Sometimes they talk to the parents too about it, but I just think it's a situation where, look, if you have to play Curtis Jacobs and Jonathan Sutherland as your only linebackers uh, in your starting lineup with, with Charlie catcher as a, as sort of your lone backup and Jesse Lucetta when, when you need to bump him back from defensive end. And those are your four guys. I think that's fine. And I think you do that. Um, because I, I think it is not worth wasting potentially a year of those guys 
just to win this game against an eight and four Arkansas team to say you went eight and five and won the Outback Bowl. Like I, I understand people don't want to lose the value of bowls. People don't want to sort of uh, make these into what they are and that's exhibition games, but you know, they, uh, they are at this point. And, and I think you're better served trying to, or giving yourself the optionality down the road with those guys, but that doesn't seem like the direction Penn state's going based on what Franklin said about, you know, they're going to have to burn some red shirts when he was asked about it today. Uh, So we'll see if it ends up being one, if it ends up being both, but either way, I think it's a mistake. That being said, for their their play, like Kobe King's probably ready to play right now. Like he's a sound linebacker, a big physical kid, uh, reads his gaps well. Uh, you know, sort of the leader of the defense type in the inside that linebacker, uh, and could be really helpful on Saturday potentially if he's you know up to the task of taking over all of that that quickly. Um, you know, and he's he probably really will struggle in pass coverage. I don't think that's all that different from Ellis Brooks this year, anyways, because Brooks struggled at times in coverage. Uh, and, and that was, I think, an issue in the middle of the defense uh, for the team. As, as far as the the other spot, it's, you know, Budden's probably going to play. Uh, now, I don't know if he's going to start. I, w- I would guess he would back up either Jacobs or or Sutherland at linebacker. But he is he came in as a raw linebacker who was more athlete than linebacker um, and is physical, hits hard, uh, you know, is a good rusher, but but he needs to learn how to play in space. He needs to learn how to to read his keys and make decisions at linebacker. He needs to to learn to cover guys better. Uh, he has the athleticism to do it. You know, I think he has all the upside in the world, and he could be really good down the line for Penn State. But you know, a guy that came in, and we've seen him playing four games already. But a guy that came in is someone that was not a polished uh, you know defender yet. Um, so I would venture to guess he's still probably not polished, but the spring practices can have a, you know, can go a long way in changing that. So, you know, there's a, there's a decent chance that, uh, that both Budden and King are better than anticipated on Saturday. But even if they are, like, I, like I said, I don't think that is worth it. Like, I don't, I don't think putting that on display for one game on the first day of the new year, uh, when you could save an entire season by not doing that, I, I don't think that's worth it, but you know, the other position you mentioned, Brisker's replacement at safety, uh, I think that one seems kind of obvious, right? Like, I think we're seeing Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis. I kind of expect them to rotate both. Uh, Reed, better against the run. Ellis, better against the pass, better athlete. Uh, both good in their own right. Like, they're, they're, they're well-rounded. They're not these major deficiencies like we saw with Sutherland and coverage or anything like that. Which, by the way, moving Jonathan Sutherland to linebacker, is a good decision for Penn State and it's a good decision for Jonathan Sutherland. That feels like one of those rare win-win situations. It's not made out of necessity for the defense. It's simply made at the, you know, at the benefit of both the defense and the player. Uh, but I, I think Keaton Ellis, you know, he brings more experience than Reed does. He's better in coverage. He's a better athlete. He started his career playing corner, so he can play man against tight ends a little better. Uh, he could probably track our running backs a little bit better too. Reed, the younger of the two, more of the big hitter, more of the sure tackler. Good in coverage though. Like he's he's got uh, good feet. He's not going to get burnt like uh, you know like like a slow safety would. And I don't think he's a slow safety. I think he's got above average athleticism. So those two guys, I think, are going to be worth watching because that might turn into the competition for who's starting next to Jair Brown next year. Uh, and that's going to be an important spot because safety was really strong for Penn State this year. And I think they, they're going to need it to be really strong again next year, depending on sort of how their portal shopping goes this offseason. You know, like you said, moving Sutherland to linebacker, I think that's a that's a good move for them. They just have a, uh, you know, I, I think he fits 
better at that position, especially since when he when he plays deep, we see some deficiencies in the coverage. But, you know, I think if he plays up a little bit more, that'll help him out a ton. I think right now the linebacking core, you're going to see a lot of changes to, to what what's going to go on next season. I think it's going to be a lot of guys that come in. But, um, you know, I, I know you already talked about that. So, you know, I, I wanted to get your input on the offensive line changes. I know we we talked about old Fashanu. Uh, you know, I heard some some things about Landon Tangwall. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on the offensive line and you know some of the changes that they're going to have this uh, this bowl game? Yeah, I think that is one of the more fascinating things to watch because we don't know Rasheed Walker's status for next year, right? Like he could enter the NFL draft. Um, you know, you talk to people and he definitely improved his stock this year. Uh, I would say, I, uh, I think he had a, frankly, a bad year in, in 2020 and he rebounded well in 2021 looked good. I think he's caught some more eyes this year than he did in the past. Um, but depending on if he comes back or not, I think this line could look really, really different. Um, so kind of to work through the hypotheticals, I think Olu Fashanu has a chance on Saturday to prove that he should be starting somewhere on the offensive line, you know, whether that's at left tackle or right tackle. Uh, of course, we expect him to play left tackle. He was repping at left tackle in practice this week. Um, that in the, the limited window, the 24-minute window we saw across two practices, of course, I was there for the second window, um, the, for the second 12-minute window. But I think Fashanu has a chance to prove he should be a starter next year. Franklin said he was going to start earlier this season, presumably against Rutgers uh, when, when Walker wasn't able to go, but Fashanu had an injury and couldn't go. Um, and you know, they, they went with Tangwall instead starting a tackle. So I think, I think there's going to be a chance for, uh, you know, for Fashanu to, to have a major role this weekend, but more importantly, to establish himself moving forward at left tackle. Uh, if he, if he proves he can start there and Walker moves on, then maybe, you know, maybe you don't miss a beat and maybe the biggest hole on your offensive line isn't as much of an issue because they're going to have a decent bit of turnover again along the offensive line. Um, we don't know Mike Miranda's status along the interior. Uh, he hadn't been playing late in the season, whether that's due to injury or, you know, sickness or whatever, you know, a bit or, or play, you know, we don't know. Um, but I think they're going to have an opportunity to figure some things out. I think Landon Tengwall, a guy you mentioned, is a very good option along the interior for Penn State. I think they should probably be looking in the portal for another guard, right? I think, you know, you, you could be looking at a situation where it's it's Juice Scruggs is one of your three interior linemen. It's Landon Tangwall is another. And then you're looking for the third guy if Rasheed Walker leaves. Because then you have Caden Wallace at, at right tackle still. But the upshot is if Walker comes back, maybe it's Walker at left tackle and Fashanu at right tackle. And that allows you to kick Caden Wallace inside. And suddenly you're looking at Wallace, Tangwall, and Scruggs. You know, like they're they're going to have some options. And then, of course, like we said, we don't know the status of Miranda moving forward. They have guys like Bryce Effner who could who could reasonably get time, uh, you know, starting starting or, or playing at least some snaps uh, at guard or, or Effner can move all over the offensive line. So there there is a big opportunity for Fashanu to set this entire unit up to be better next year, not just the left tackle or, or right tackle spot he's kind of a piece that could maybe allow you to move guys into positions that they're more comfortable at. Um, because we can't forget either James Franklin mentioned in the preseason and, and later in the season, you know, after Salim warmly got hurt that he was going to start at guard. Uh, and we don't know what his injury was. We don't know the extent of it. We don't know, you know, if he's going to come back hundred percent or you know, what any potential ramifications are of the injury. 
But if, if Wormley comes back and is locked into a starting spot at guard, then you sort of have another piece of the puzzle figured out. And as you continue to get these, these uh, pieces figured out, suddenly you're in a pretty good spot. And, and your offensive line has some upside that I think, is, as you and I both know, wasn't great this year, especially in the run game, but held up decently well in the passing game. So uh, I think there's a chance uh, this weekend for Fashanu to kind of be a piece that maybe unlocks the rest of it for the group. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that one bit, just on a simple fact of the matter is that, you know, some guys fit better in other positions. I I know it's it's a common misconception from people on the outside that, you know, offensive linemen can just play whatever position because they're all the same except for center. And I'm like, that's not true at all. I don't understand. I've never understood that coming from uh, fans that, you know, haven't necessarily watched technique. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times too, just even if you're a left guard versus left tackle, I mean, the difference is a stark. So of course, if Fashanu comes in, he plays left tackle and he's good. I mean, it, it sets everybody up for a, a better situation just in the future. Um, I, I think a lot of guys can slide inside. Some guys could, you know, play positions that they're more comfortable with. I mean, footwork will be better, especially against Slower guys, if, you, if you're moving a tackle inside the guard and the tackles had to take on these fast guys, but they're a little bit not not as fleet of foot, I think that helps them out a lot. Um, just going inside and maybe balking up a little bit and having to beat down on some of those defensive tackles. Um, but I, I just think this offensive line, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of changes going on in the future. Um, that's something I think if people are listening, they should be incredibly excited about. I mean, with that being said, how much do you think this will affect the run game with uh, some of these offensive linemen coming in? Yeah, I think that is the uh, that is the, the big question mark, right? Because it seems that Penn State is going to be trying to run the ball, running the ball, right? Like it is, this is not a team that uh, wants to be as pass heavy as maybe some think they should be, as, as I think they should be, quite frankly. Um, they're going to be uh, they're going to have some semblance of balance. Um, and so that means running the ball quite a bit. And that means running the ball next year. Uh, and they need to figure out a way to run the ball and to run the ball effectively if they're going to do it. Uh, and I think having a good offensive line is where that starts. Right. But it also starts with having more explosive running backs. I, you know, I don't think that's a knock on uh, Kevon Lee or, or Noah Kane or anyone like that, like you, Devin Ford, what have you like. But those guys are, you know, uh, are not the talents that I think Nicholas Singleton is coming in. Um, and I think he could be a game changer for this for this group and, and honestly make the offensive line just look better because he he runs so well. But but I do think they can sort of set the tone for this. They can be the um, the engine that makes all of it go. They can be the ones that that sort of push things forward uh, and, and show that the running game has taken another step to show that they can reach another level that they couldn't get to this year. Um, but they have to be better if they want to run the ball, right? Like, like you said, it, it, there's not going to get much closer to rock bottom than, than some of the play we saw this year, um, especially in the running. Like I said, I think in the past game, they were good. They got uh, blown up by Michigan, but who hasn't got blown up by David Ajapo and Aiden Hutchinson at this point. Right. And I think we'll see Georgia get blown up by those two guys too. It's just going to happen. They're that good. But I think in the run game, they, they have to take steps forward and they have to take big steps forward. And, you know, maybe none of the young guys coming in next year help, but if they can get a grad transfer too, I think that could change things. 
Uh, but we'll see. You know, they're they're probably not looking at a finished product right now for the offensive line on Saturday. And, and when it comes to Saturday, quite frankly, I don't think um, it's going to be that much different than it has been all season just because, you know, Fashanu might be good, but he has to be better than Rasheed Walker was for them to take a step forward. And frankly, I thought Rasheed Walker was pretty good this year. With that being said, I mean, what are, what are some of your thoughts on just Clifford being back for another season? I know we didn't really get to delve into that last time we talked, but, uh, you know, how do, how do you feel about him returning? It's a relatively win-win situation, right? I guess for Penn State more so than Clifford because there is a way that he doesn't sort of win with this. If he goes into spring camp where they'll have Christian Veyuso, where they'll have Drew Alar, where they'll have Bo Perbula, uh, and 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 is the best quarterback, then you have the best quarterback you could have for 2022, right? If he goes in and those guys are better and, you know, they're improving and they're younger and one of them takes the job, like, then you just have, like, him coming back doesn't hurt, right? Because he's still a leader. He's still a big voice in that room. He can still sort of rally the troops and everything like that. So, and obviously there's that downside for him that like potentially losing the job. And I don't know how realistic it is that he loses the job, but you know, I, I don't know that they, that there is a chance that, you know, that Penn state told him he would start if he came back, but I do think that it, it should be reasonable for, for one of those guys to, to sort of beat him out if they're better, uh, because that's how all of these competitions should be, especially at a position where, you know, Clifford was, was above average this year, but, those other guys on the roster can be better than above average. Uh, so I think this is kind of a win-win for Penn state uh, where you're just kind of adding another guy to the room. And I don't know that it's going to affect things too much long-term because I don't think uh, Alar was going to be leaving, you know, if he didn't start his true freshman, I don't think that's sort of the way he views this. Um, I don't think, you know, I Probule is the same way, right? Like I, I, or I do think Probule is the same way. I don't think he's going anywhere if he doesn't start as a true freshman. Uh, it could potentially affect it with Veyu. We'll see, you know, if he gets passed up or whatever. But I, I don't, you know, don't want to speculate on those kinds of things. But uh, I think this is kind of the the perfect scenario for Penn State, um, as long as they're sort of willing to start the best quarterback next year, no matter who that is. Of course, we still have to get to our bold prediction um I, I mean i'm intrigued because this is like one my my dad's family's from arkansas so everybody of course is an arkansas fan uh that's interesting they're all talking about this bowl game like oh they get to play against penn state and and honestly i think it's going to come down to uh the product that's left on the field and you know as as we talked about penn state's lost a ton of guys um I think that's going to be tough to overcome. Don't think that it'll be a close game. I have Penn State taking a loss, um, twenty-eight to twenty-four. Yeah, I think I generally feel the same way, right? Like this is uh, a Penn State team that, if they were fully, you know, available, if they're fully healthy too, I think they probably win this game. But they're not, so you know, you, you have to give Arkansas the edge. They've only had two guys opt out, one of them being Burks, but he was no impo- more important than, to that offense than Jahan Dawson was, you know, and it would, I think it would really take one of those, you know, offensive weapons stepping up in a major way for Penn state to, to win this thing handily. I think it's probably going to be close either way because I don't think either offense is equipped to blow the other out, especially with, even with Penn state's holes defensively, like they should still be decent on defense. Um, and so I'll go with 
Arkansas wins this 24 to 21 along the same lines as the same lines as you. Uh, I think Penn State currently a two point underdog right now. Uh, so that's sort of in line with where we both had this ending up. You know, for whatever it's worth, I mean, we could be wrong. <laughs> we could be totally wrong and these young guys could show up. Well, and, it's and not like we've been completely for... exposed for being wrong about Illinois before or anything. It's not like, uh, you know, our producer has, uh, you know, put us on blast on uh, social media, especially with a uh, certain Twitter account that is very much known for uh, exposing those cold takes. If, if we get that treatment again, then I think Penn State fans will probably be happy with the outcome of the game. But um, with that being said, it'll, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Lion's Lair. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com slash sports podcast. You can read all of John's coverage from Tampa there, as well as his work on the men's basketball beat and my coverage of preps and now Penn State wrestling. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on the platform of your choosing. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day, everyone.